Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! Lamar Odom has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out! Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. Welcome back to another episode of Rhodey Baseline. My name is Gary, joined as always by my co-host Andrew on this championship week episode of Rhodey Baseline. Before we get started, make sure to follow us Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rhodey Baseline. And obviously make sure to give the podcast a follow and a like. Also, please leave us a five-star rating. Those help us greatly. And with that, we have a great episode for you guys today. Two great interviews one with Stone Freeman talking a little bit about the Live Like Russ Foundation and their upcoming events that they're doing for the foundation. And then a chat with Bill Koch about both the men's and women's teams as we come up to both the men's and women's tournaments coming up this week and next week. But first, let's go to that Stone interview now. Rody Nation, thank you for coming back to us on this special championship episode of Rody Baseline. Now we are joined by one of the voices of roadie athletics the man the myth the legend stone freeman thanks for coming on stone hey thanks guys you two uh i haven't been on in a while with you two so uh it's good to see you guys uh again even though it was just yesterday i saw you in person so <laughs> ready to talk roadie though i'm uh i'm all ears awesome awesome well before we start talking about roadie we wanted to um give you the floor to let you talk about what's coming up with the live like rust foundation i know you just recently announced the unity ride i believe it's what it's called you're doing a t-shirt fundraiser, and then I know Gary's in my personal favorite that we have that first couple of weeks in September already circled for the golf tournament. So if you wanted to chat about that a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it's great. And and you guys have been a great help. So it uh it'll be be a nice kind of you know mesh between the two with with your contributions being able to publicize that a little bit too. So the police unity tour is something that my sister and I are doing this year. Ingrid is my old sister, she did it. In October of 2021, that year because of COVID, it was in October, but normally it's in May. It's a give or take 300 mile bike ride that starts uh, in central New Jersey and finishes in uh, Washington, D.C. at the Law Enforcement Memorial. So Inger and I will be doing that. It's over the course of five days. It's, it's really exciting. Um, and it's to, to really do two things. It's one, to, to raise money for the Law Enforcement Memorial and Museum. And then ultimately, and most importantly, to bring awareness and to keep those names of, of fallen officers alive. So uh, and, and to honor their ultimate sacrifice. So we're really excited. You know, um, we're doing it with a Rhode Island contingent that that is, a, you know, one of the unique things about our state, like you two know, as being Rhode Islanders, you know, it's not only close by nature, but it's close physically. So there's people from the Newport Police Department, the state police, the Department of Corrections, Cranston Police Department, Ingrid and I get to do it as, as you know, surviving families, they call it having, you know, our dad lost in the line of duty. So we're excited. That's 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 kind of our next adventure. We're doing a a T-shirt fundraiser uh, right now. We're in the sponsorship stage, so nothing has gone out publicly about where we can buy T-shirts yet. But that'll be coming uh, in the in the coming week or so. But, yeah, you guys were a great help. The contribution you all made through the Super Bowl Squares fundraiser is is directly going towards Ingrid and I's uh, uh, fundraising efforts. So we're trying to raise five thousand dollars. 
uh, between the two of us. So the thousand dollars that, that you guys helped us raise was such a huge help. So, uh, you guys will be on the back of the t-shirt this year and, and we're excited. We're just, we're excited to, to do whatever we can to, to get involved with the law enforcement memorial, work with other uh, surviving families across the country. And it's really a, a, an, an incredible weekend in DC. We've gone now twice, uh, 2021 and then 2022 to the uh, law enforcement memorial weekend. Uh, it's, it's special. It's when the, the, the season is just turned over to spring DC, as you guys both know, is a great city. I yeah, love going down there. Uh, it's kind of cool how it all meshes together. The law enforcement memorial is maybe like three blocks from Capital One Arena. So uh, it's right around the corner from where roadie fans have, have frequented over the last few years, uh, going to A-10 tournaments and whatnot. So, uh, but yeah, that that's the Police Unity Tour. Um, the golf tournament's coming up in September. We'll do the scholarship too. That'll get announced. Uh, the second round of scholarships, we'll probably do in a, about a month or so. Got to get through the, the fundraiser for the Unity Tour first, but the Lieutenant Russell K. Freeman Memorial Scholarship will go out, uh, and ultimately that's what our, our golf tournament is for, is to raise money for that that uh, that sponsorship. So you guys played in the golf tournament last year. hope you had a good time. Uh, it was one of the funnest times I've ever had playing golf. Really? And All right, I can yeah. Tell you, I can tell you we're we 99% sure that we will be there. Awesome. And- no, it's it's uh, My mom and I always go back and forth about, uh, you know, how we can make it better. You know, we bounce ideas off one another and, and – I think really it's just incremental growth. It's doing the little things. It's getting more sponsors involved. It's 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 raising more money. And and my, the thing that's really important to me is is keeping the people that are in it in it. Uh, and that that's not to say we don't like new people. We we have new people every year, right? But but we love to see the same faces come back. The same people that know my sisters, myself, my mother, knew my father. What whatever the connection is to the family to to be able to come together and and raise money. September is a fun time of year too. I, I, I mean, we're like you guys talked about it before. Uh, I think we got on here about you know football season and whatnot. Like September is just a, a buzzing time. I feel uh, when you work in college athletics, a lot of people dread the beginning of a school year. That's the, the summer can't end soon enough, right? I yeah. mean, the, you love the warm weather here in Rhode Island, but September comes around and, and you're just gassed up. So yeah, we we get a lot of things in store, uh, and we're really we're really excited for the. Uh, the, the future of the foundation to continue to just raise money and, and ultimately also remember my father, which is the most important part. Awesome. Yeah. I say more of those holes with the jello shots. <laughs> well, that is my little sister's uh, bread and butter. Uh, her and my grandmother make those jello shots and, and she, uh, she can wheel and deal them. We sold out year one and she upped the ante. I think we sold out last year or maybe have like 15 left or something. So yeah, Quinn's a saleswoman. She can, she can get it out there and, and she gets uh, everybody, the jello shots, I think at whole blank, it's a par three. Uh, yeah. But you kind of come around the bend there and you can't miss it. She, she throws golf etiquette out the window. Uh, yeah, I most- think uh, Gary action. and I were uh, very, very true to that cause on that particular yep. hole. Oh, yeah. I think we I think we each did three each. I don't, I can't remember. <laughs> this is just multiple jello shots at the same time. And the fun fact, the funny thing is, I got better the more I drank with golf. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the secret. The true recipe right there. I mean, you guys know this too. Uh, just, you know, being, you know, 20, 30 year old guys that are, that just go out to play golf for fun. Like it, it's a great opportunity to just be with friends and, and, and the alcohol always makes you just get a little bit more loose. And, and yeah, that, that tournament is, is a blast. You know, the, the, the clientele we get of people is how I describe it, right? You just get this, you, you cast this wide net, whether it's the correctional officers that show up or the people from the community or my dad's friends from, from Falmouth where he was born, you know, it's, it's, it's just a great vibe, and and yeah, the Jello shots certainly help you uh, feel a little bit better though on the back nine. I can tell you yeah. that. Yeah, no, that was and, one of the funnest days that we had, and 
not and it just obviously we saw all the people from URI, but everybody there was so welcoming and it just it was one of the best things to be a part of. And if you're a golfer out there listening to this, don't take carries in my spot, but uh make sure you guys come out and support the Live Like Rust Foundation at the golf tournament. And and obviously uh keep up with that information at livelikerust.com um and keep up with our social media platforms um because they will be posting that. That usually comes in a couple months, but uh keep an eye out for that. That's how you can get signed up for this golf tournament. And obviously keep up to date with uh the t-shirt sales, like Stone said, and obviously uh for the Unity run coming up in just a couple weeks. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good time. It's it, it really is. It, it, I was telling my roommates the other day, uh, because we were chatting about everything coming up here and uh it's one of those things where if, if you could trade it all, you would, right? You'd, you'd do anything to not be in these situations. But while you're in them, you know, you you, you got to make the most of it. And 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 our thing has always just been like the healing that there is in laughter and being with one another. And that's what that's really everything we do, you know, is, is trying to give away some stuff, right? Give away the scholarships, but ultimately uh, bring people together and, and continue to to preserve my dad's legacy is is of utmost importance so yeah you guys play a big role in that you guys have made a lot of contributions over the the last two years here and it's uh it's a big part of of allowing us to grow and continue to expand our reach so hopefully you know i shouldn't say hopefully we will we'll, we'll grow and year by year it's again incremental growth we're not expecting to be you know some billion dollar foundation that's pumping kids to school yet but hopefully one day right so we'll, yeah. we'll start with uh with the golf tournaments and whatnot and keep those traditions alive and I think Gary and I came to the conclusion, I think we're definitely going to do it, but we're going to March Madness. We did a bracket challenge a few years ago. I think we're going to bring that one back this year. Oh, do, yeah. do 10 bucks a bracket, five bucks to five bucks. Each bracket goes to the charity and then five to the winner. So roadie nation, you guys showed out in the Super Bowl. Let's, let's double it. Let's get stone. Let's get stone to DC. Yeah. No, the, uh, I, I mean, I mean this too. There's just so many people that that you interact with when you do these things that are just like repeat donate donors, right? They're they're coming back, they're doing all these things, and that's always good to see. And and you know, it's the power of social media, right? Social media can be the worst possible thing sometimes, but then when you guys put these links out there and stuff, and it's it's you know, my dad's friends from home that are getting involved, and and correctional officers getting involved, and then URI fans getting involved, and people within the athletic department getting involved. It's it's just a really Really, I think what we're all about is just doing the things that that get people together. And and yeah, bracket challenge that that was a big success that first year. I think it was like three months after my dad had passed away. We had just announced the foundation, and you guys jumped on board with us. And and again, those are the things that allowed us to just make that first jump. That allows us to to you know explore golf tournaments and see the interest people have in giving back. So uh, thanks again. You guys uh, have done a uh, been a great support for us and, and the entire Live Like Russ Foundation. Anytime, Stone. It's our, it's our, it's our pleasure. But now we got to talk about the fun thing and uh, that hat that you're wearing that nobody can see. Meaning that yesterday we got to talk about the woman first. We got to start with the good, and then we'll go to the not so good. Mm-hmm. But uh, URI regular season champions. As somebody who's been at URI just as long as Gary and I and seen this program, what what does it mean to you as a Rhode Islander? Somebody who works for the school, and just what do you think? the next step is for this program and how much it means to be a 10 champs or co-champs. Sorry, UMass people. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, I thought it was awesome yesterday. I I really did. I, you know, anytime you can get the chance to cut down a net is an, is an important day. Um, And and it's a little bit more important for a program like women's basketball that has been just for so many years, trucking uphill battles, Um, you know, and, and my time there at URI as a student, um, wasn't a ton of winning, right? And I think we we can all see that just based on wins and losses, right? But 
when Thor hired Tammy, it seemed like something was different, right? It, it, you know, her coming from an ACC program, her being kind of this career assistant coach that had gone from stops across the country, and then her dynamic, you know, personal life that is being an actress and, and being drafted in the WNBA and having those college years at Virginia, like, it just seemed like something was different, right? And, uh, and you guys know her now, too. I mean, the, the way that she presents herself is just outstanding. It's, it's a great representation of I never like to call the University of Ryan URI. I like to say my alma mater when I'm talking about things that make you proud of it, right? Because it makes your association that much stronger, right? And fans the same way, right? Whether you went to URI or not, right? If you if you can embrace that kind of mentality that 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 Tammy has brought to the table, it makes you just latch on, right? And and I think that's kind of where we all are right now. It's like let's just enjoy this ride. And and yesterday was awesome. Uh, seeing the nets come down and and confetti and things of that nature like that's all well and good i think the bigger point was how many people were there though like how how this program has really grown in terms of people that care right and i'm not saying people didn't care before but now you have people giving up their saturday to come sit in the, the the ryan center and watch women's basketball i think it's the same thing that goes for when dan hurley was here right like the first few years are tough right and it's an uphill battle and you're setting the foundation, you're establishing a culture and all these things that coaches tell you. But ultimately, it's 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 about winning, right? You do want to win. You want to preach this to people, but you got to you got to find the, the proof, right? And that's what yesterday was, was kind of everything that Tammy had outlined came to fruition. I know we want the NCAA tournament as URI fans. I know Tammy's probably the same way, but I think yesterday was just such a good sign as to what building can actually do. It does reach something. It's not just putting building blocks on top of one another and hoping it works, right? It's it's there is a final product. And I don't know if yesterday is the final product. Again, I think you want the NCAA tournament more than anything. Um, but yesterday should establish like where this program has has grown. And to be what 13 and three in conference play and 23 wins in a season is crazy numbers for a program that is just long long been you know in the bottom of the, of the atlantic 10 so it was a great day it's it's a great day for all of us i know you guys were there um it's just fun it's 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 winning heels right winning yes, heels. Yes. and uh yesterday was a really good day is, is it's a good day to be a ram right i think yesterday is just one of those days that you feel proud to be a really ram oh uh, the, the lovely quote it's a great day to be a ram great day to be around and I think, and i think we can say you mentioned the people i think we can say that without question that this upcoming weekend in Delaware, Wilmington's about to turn into a Keeney Blue Fest. I know Gary and I can't make it down till Saturday at the earliest, but I got a feeling that Roadie Nation's about to take over Wilmington, Delaware, and hopefully bring back another championship. Yeah, I think, you know, to start, it's it's how important for women's athletics that this tournament is at one facility now, right? I didn't go last year. I was on the road with men's basketball. I think we were at St. Joe's and then ultimately, as you guys know, the women's team lost in the first round. So, but this year, me, my mom and, and little sister are heading down there Friday morning. So we'll try to be there for the whole weekend, hopefully, right? Um, you know, let's speak it into existence. We will be there for the whole weekend. But yeah, I think it's awesome, right? It's awesome to, to have that within, you know, a, a an earshot of URI, you know, if, if you want to drive down, you can get it done, right? It's it's not like we're, we, we got to go down to North Carolina or something like that, right? It's right in Wilmington, Delaware. And again, get everybody there, all those schools there, be a good environment. And to be one of those top two seeds, Andrew, to your point, it's going to draw that interest. It's going to draw the people that are more likely to, to make the trip. I, I love about these tournaments, same thing when the men's tournaments are in Brooklyn, how like, and Andrew, I think you were talking about this yesterday, the game when we were catching up, like, 
how it can quickly catch steam when it's so close to the school that, you, that you're rooting for, right? When, when it's Pittsburgh, I remember a few years ago with men's, like the amount of people that found a way to get to Pittsburgh when we were playing on Sunday, right? Yeah. And same thing with, it went in D.C. That was uh, insane. Right? The amount of people that find a way to get to D.C. Brooklyn, though, is like the amount of people that find their way to get there to the center. Like when we beat VCU that year, right, uh, 2019, how many people find their way to Saturday, right? Find their way for this. And ultimately we lost to St. Bonaventure that year, but it's the same thing. I think it's going to happen with this women's team. You know, there's, there's stock there. People care about it. You're going to get an initial push. And then if we win Friday, how many people try to get there for Saturday and bet your bottom dollar. If we win Saturday, how many people are going to be there Sunday? And hopefully it's a matchup with, with UMass, right? Uh, I don't want to speak too far down the line, but that's ideally the path, right? Is that you get another shot at UMass here and, and try to, lick your wounds from a couple of days ago, you know, that blow at the Ryan center, but Hey, this is, it's a good time of year. And uh, hopefully we can get three wins down in Delaware. All right. As we start to round this out, I want to ask you one or a two part question to the, uh, about the men's team. What is it like calling games with silk Owens, a and B, what do you think of the state of the program? I know the wins and losses isn't where it is, but I feel a little bit confident. I just want to know your thoughts about that. Yeah, two great questions. Silk is a Hall of Fame player and a Hall of Fame person. I mean, he is a a genuine good man. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed working with him. Our, our producer Andrew Meehan, too has has kind of come onto the fold too a bit. He's not on air, but but he travels with us too. And the three of us have really we, we've had a lot of fun on the road. Um, you know, we're doing our own travel, which is a little different, but definitely again, if that's my only complaint, you know, what's there to complain about? You know, we we get to these you know a ten arenas and and. We do our show and, and and Silk has been really good at the analyst side, but also again, just like him as a human, it, he's, he's a funny man. He's a good man. We were at George Mason and he raided the snacks from the media room. He said, do you guys want anything? We said, yeah. And he came out with, I think the whole tray of snacks from the media room. And Andrew and I were like, Silk, what are you doing? He's like, you boys wanted snacks. And we we're like, yeah, we didn't want you to raid it though. So uh, again, he's, he's a great man. He's a great dude. I've really enjoyed getting to know him and, uh, this year of all times is a great time to, to get to know Silk Owens, in my opinion, with, with everything that he's kind of, you know, the accolades he's getting now and the ring of honor, things of that nature. So Silk's been great. And uh, the state of the program, Andrew and, and Gary, I think it's, I think right now it's, it's, these are the years that five years from now you get to say you went through. That's it. I, 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 I see what's coming. Right. Right. I see a team that is hanging around in every game. Right. And and maybe it's just they're not talented yet, but you'd rather have the hard work and the the the, you know, bootstraps get heavier types of games right now and have Archie and trust Archie and his staff to then recruit the talent and, and build up the roster. Right. And that's not a shot at any player on this team right now. I think this year in general is just a difficult year. Um we have found ourselves in, in the bottom half of the conference the last two years. Uh, the fan base wants to get back to an NCAA tournament. The school wants to get back to an NCAA tournament. When you make an investment in a coach like Archie Miller, he's owed his time, right? It, it, it doesn't mean – I mean, look back to Dan's first two years. I mean, these were similar type – Dan inherited a different type of mess. Uh, I'll give Dan Hurley a little bit more credit there just in terms of the, the, the structure of the program. I think Archie's got a little bit more structure to work around, right? But ultimately, Archie Miller is a winner. This is – killing a guy like him for oh, to, you, you can tell you know, this is not what archie miller has been accustomed to so you know i think we've seen little little steps right i think that dayton game is a big win right and right now dayton i get it they kind of teetered away a bit but still like that wins a big win right and 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 
you look back at the beginning of the year, if the Brown game goes a different way and the Quinnipiac game goes a different way and all these little things, right? You can always play Monday morning quarterback, but there are a few possessions away from having double digit wins right now and a win over VCU, a win over Dayton, you know, two wins over Fordham if they could have squeaked out yesterday's, which was another close game. Like, so I think the state of the program is strong. I think we are in a difficult part of this rebuild and restructure, but I think this is, this is where you get to kind of hang your hat on in a few years and say, aha, I was, I was there for the long haul. So I, I get a lot of, I get a lot of faith. I get a lot of optimism. And uh, again, back to what we said about Tammy, right? It's incremental growth. You can't expect to, to wave a magic wand and, and you're cutting nets. It, it's got to have those building blocks. And I think right now it's just the, the foundation of it. And the last one we got for you, quick, yes or no, yeah. in a little bit. Been a lo- it's been a c- tough couple of years towards the end of the season for the football team. Stone Freeman, one of the biggest supporters of URI football, is year three. Is it third time's the charm and we're finally going to break it in and get into the football playoff? It's a great question. I think the league is a lot different this year. They've added a few teams, right? We're going to get like North Carolina Central at home this year, like late in the year. It's going to be a little different. We don't play Delaware for the first time in like an eternity. We play Richmond for the first time in an eternity. So it's a different schedule. It's a different year. Um, but I, again, when you got your starting quarterback back, who's one of the most winning quarterbacks in the history of this program, it lends itself to believe that this can be a good year, right? D- does that mean, again, that we are, you know, a, a playoff team bar down? We'll have to see. I got to see the structure of this roster, but I know Coach Flum is high on the recruits that came in, and I think this might be the year. I think this might be the year that that the Rams can get to the playoff. And if we do, uh, it'll be a really good day to be a Ram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a good year, right? I I don't want to give predictions or anything of that nature. I just know that the schedule lends itself to to a different feel, different teams. And, and, hey, football's fun now, right? We're going back-to-back-to-back above 500 years four out of the last five or above 500 this is the new standard but now we got to reshatter those standards and it's getting into the playoffs so yeah, if you would have told me when we were students that our football team and our women's basketball team were winning games i would have called you crazy but luckily here in roadie nation nothing's crazy and we're back towards getting back to the top and it's a, as stone likes to say it's a great day to be a ram well thank you very much for joining us stone and we hope you have a great rest of your weekend and we'll uh we'll see you in delaware Gary, Andrew, you guys are great. I uh, I love keeping up with you guys, so this will be fun. And, uh, yeah, we, we'll get together in Delaware. And there's a pregame reception. I don't know. My mother just sent me the link I just bought into. Something like <laughs> 30, 35 bucks for you. get a T-shirt and a, and a drink at every pregame gathering. So I'm hoping the roadie fans come out. So we'll see everybody down in Delaware. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. All right. We want to thank Stone for joining us. As always, you can find out more information about the Live Like Russ Foundation at Live Like Russ. and follow them on all social media platforms. Now, before we get into our interview with Bill, there was some awards announced as we record this episode. The A-10 announced the awards for women's basketball before their tournament started, and we have a couple of award winners on this roadie team. So, Maya Torre winning Most Improved Player of the Year. Torre also earned a spot on the all-conference first team. Graduate transfer Madison Haddix-Covington was named to the all-conference third team. And Rhode Island head coach Tammy Reese was named Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year for the second time in three years. A great accomplishment for Coach Reese. We are so happy that she was named Coach of the Year. A great year for this team as they come up to the Atlantic 10 Women's Tournament happening in Wilmington, Delaware this weekend. 
Now, let's get over to Bill Koch to chat a little bit about the men's and women's teams. Joining us live from Rhode Island College, one of the voices of the Projo, one of our Rhodey Baseline Super Bowl Square winners, Bill Koch. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Gentlemen, congratulations are in order. Uh, <laughs> congratulations to you, and I guess to us as Rhodey alumni, is that if that's what you meant? I mean, I know both of you guys were in Kingston on Saturday to, yeah, to celebrate the thing? first Atlantic 10 women's basketball title in program history, and you guys were, were two very early on the train uh, with Tammy Reese uh, and, and that program. I think you guys saw something there, you know, maybe earlier than some other people did, you know, so full credit for that. And, uh, you know, you deserve to enjoy it on Saturday. It was it was a great day for sure. Oh, it was a it was a great, great day to be a part of. But before we start talking about the greatness and what's to come in Delaware, we might as well get a little bit out of the way of the, the men's team and how that's that's looking. Obviously, the wins and losses aren't there, but what have you seen from the team that maybe the casual fan hasn't been able to see from your time at the press rooms and all that stuff? I mean, I, I know it's it's difficult to keep in perspective because nobody likes losing. And, you know, obviously it's frustrating to watch them uh, on a nightly basis. But I would say that this looks a lot like Dan Hurley's first year. You know, they've been competitive in certain games. You know, they've only really been blown out a couple times. The effort is there. They're just not good enough, guys. It's really that simple. They don't have good enough players. You know, they get exposed in the last three or four minutes of games where you really need a good or great player to step forward and, and lead you to the finish line, and they just don't have one. You know, they're not necessarily to the point where they're going to win consistently or do things consistently. You know, but I, I look at what they've done so far, and – particularly what they've done against the top of the league, whether it's VCU, Dayton, uh, Fordham now, who they've split with, St. Louis, who they played very competitively on the road. Uh, you can see that the ideas are there. Players are taking coaching, taking direction. It just doesn't necessarily come together, and, and that's simply because they're short on talent across the board. Well, we're on the talent aspect of it. I guess we might as well bring it up and start talking about it a little bit and it's subject that's touchy around the program a little bit in the Brayon Freeman thing. Um, this is our first time talking about that since then. And I just wanted to know what your thoughts were about that whole thing. My personal opinion, obviously it's, he's such a great talent. We saw it all on the court, but I feel like the team has had, obviously it hasn't shown the wins and losses, but the team looks like they've played better since Brayon has been gone here or there, obviously. We haven't won, but a little bit. You see more energy and stuff on there on the floor. I mean, generally, my thought is, guys, you, you're going to win with him. You could also lose with him, too. Uh, you know, this is not going to be a good team, regardless of whether you have Brayon Freeman on it. You know, would they have won a couple more games here? Maybe. But in the grand scheme, if you're trying to build for two years from now, three years from now, how much is it really worth it to keep him if he's not doing the other things that you want your players to do? Just from watching games, I think he'd be a tough guy to play with because he is a volume scorer. He's not really a playmaker in a way. He'd have a lot of nights where it would just be points and not a lot of rebounds and not a lot of assists, and he's not really a great defender. You know, he's in terms of percentage of shots taken while he's on the floor, he's a top 20 player in the nation. Uh, he had the highest number of a Rhode Island player in that category since Ken Palm came online, and that's 2001-02. Is he a good enough player to be taking 33% of your shots? I would say no. And if they've tried to impress that upon him and haven't been able to get it across, maybe that suggests that 
he's not taking coaching as well as you know some other guys have when he's openly insubordinate on Twitter regarding the head coach and and his usage. You can only take that so much. I I think if you're in charge, you know I know it was uh, a little bit contentious at George Mason. He had some family members behind the bench there who made their opinions known about his playing time and his usage. And you know if you're a head coach, you have to decide. You have to find a balance between how much can this player help me how much am i willing to put up with and at what point does it reach a tipping point where you say let's just cut bait and move on this isn't working you know and i just think over the course of time i think you know there wasn't any huge breaking point there wasn't anything legal it wasn't anything in class you know you didn't have a fight in the locker room with a teammate or archie miller or anything like that i just think it was an accumulation of of little things over time where the program just decided, look, we're going to move forward without you. And, and you know, we're sorry it didn't work out. We took a chance. It didn't necessarily work. And, you know, now we're going to try something else. So I, I think it was – it's more what they're trying to establish for the future than it was anything that had to do with one game or, or anything this season. All right. I could, yeah, that's what I think happened. I just – we I need – we had, Gary and I haven't talked about it much because we didn't really know where to go and we figured we'd – ask you somebody who's around the team a lot but that leads us into since he's left i think you've seen more potential in sebastian thomas and potential in brandon weston i think those are two of the big names that have stepped up in since brown's left and i think those are two guys that could be foundational pieces for the program over the next two years and after ish leaves in like I've lost track of how many years this has got left. He's got two left. He's got two left. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> I feel like Ish is going to turn into Perry Ellis from Kansas a few years ago. He's just going to keep showing up. But uh, what can you say about Sebastian Thomas and Brandon Weston and how they've stepped up over the last couple of weeks? Well, I, cer- I certainly think that Weston is a guy who they have a fair amount of stock in. Uh, you know, he was somebody that Dwayne Woodward recruited at Seton Hall. Uh, and then recruited again at, at Rhode Island. You know, at one point, this is a top 100 recruit, four-star guy, according to some of the recruiting services. You know, somebody who didn't really play a lot at Seton Hall. He's battled some injuries, uh, you know, but somebody who had really good offers coming out of uh, out of the prep ranks. And, you know, if you're going to cast your lot with somebody, it's going to be someone with some upside. You know, and they, I'm, I'm sure they feel like he falls in that category. Um, you know, so... Yeah, when when you dismiss a player who's playing heavy minutes and and is heavily involved in the offense, it it is going to create opportunity for some other guys. You know, Sebastian Thomas, the best thing you can say about Sebastian is that he's never going to cheat you. His effort is there. You know, I think back to the VCU game where he turns his ankle late in the first half and plays all 20 minutes of the second half and and limped out of the interview room afterwards. They they brought him in and he was limping, walking back to the locker room. Um, Had just played 20 minutes on that limp. So you, you get an idea of... You know how tough that kid is, and and character-wise, that's what you want to be about. You know, is Sebastian Thomas good enough to play major minutes on a team that's going to contend for an Atlantic Ten title? I think we can debate that. I don't necessarily know if that's a certainty, but you could certainly say that he is of the character and of the mindset of guys who you would like to have on a contending team. And you know, right now, if it's not going to be about wins and losses, if it's going to be about building culture. You don't mind moving forward with that guy for a year or two. Would you like to recruit over him? Would you like to have better options at point guard or a shooting guard or in the backcourt in general? Yeah, I think you would. But for what they're trying to do right now, you know, whether it was last offseason, during this season, next offseason, 
Uh, I think he represents what you want to be about from a habits and behavior standpoint. What can you say? I mean, a lot of the questions, I know Gary and I have talked about it a lot and we've hear, heard it in our section. One of the things is if they're losing all these games and obviously there's no future for this particular season, why hasn't Louis Hutchinson got in any run yet? I know he saw we saw flashes in the non-conference. Wouldn't you want to see him play a little bit more these last couple of games? I guess I'll, I'll play devil's advocate with that and, and say, what if he plays and he's not very good? What if he hasn't been very good in practice? And what if, what if he's someone who, when you go five on five in practice, he's getting dominated there? Would you really want to put him out there in a game, have him get beat on a little bit? His confidence takes a little bit of a dip, and that stunts his development in some way. Um, I, I know it sounds a, a little odd to say that, you know, by not playing this guy, you're going to help him. That that seems counterintuitive, you know, but I, I generally default to the fact that coaches see these guys so much more than we do, you know, whether it's in practice, in workouts, in the weight room, uh, in the film room, they know them so much better than, than we do. Uh, we see them on game nights and in warmups and, and at the occasional, you know, coaches show or whatever it may be. You know, the other thing, guys, I would say is, you know, think back to the good URI teams, you know, late in Dan Hurley's era. There wasn't a lot of pining for the 10th or 11th or 12th guy on the bench because the first eight were so good. Right. They were so set. So I think now, you know, a lot of the clamoring for Lou Hutchinson or more Rory Stewart or. You know, previously when Freeman was still on the team, why don't we play Sebastian Moore? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? It's because what's on the floor isn't working. And you are hoping more than believing that you will find a solution. And, you know, because Lou Hutchinson's a guy who's sort of at the bottom of that rotation right now, I think a lot of people latch onto that and say, well, just play him. You know, maybe he can give us something. Maybe you're going to find something. That's all wishful thinking. I, I don't think that's informed thinking like what the coaching staff might have uh, with guys who they work with every day. All right. Yeah. All I right, can, all I, right. that, that's a fair argument. Fair argument. Okay. Well, now I guess I won't be screaming at Archie to play uh, Louie these last couple of games. <laughs> now, now, obviously, the the one, the elephant in the room I want to talk about here, right? A couple games left for this roadie team, right? It's looking more and more like they're going to be playing on Tuesday. Wow, saying they're playing on Tuesday is weird because – Used to be Wednesday, but now it's Tuesday. Them playing on Tuesday. That's a whole other um, argument, Gary. We're not getting into well, that. We're not getting into that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, where do you think this team can go in the A10 tournament? Are they going to be able to get at least one win, or is it going to be, you know, rough for this team? Depending on the matchup, guys, just try to get one win. Just try to get a, that experience of, of staying multiple days in the tournament, you know, of simulating multiple days of preparation for your players. You know, those quick turnarounds mentally, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. When you're trying to win later on, when you're more competitive later on, the, the fact that you've gone through multi-day prep and you've figured out how to study film and how to rest and how to treat your body for a multi-day tournament. Because eventually, when, when you're contending in the league and, you know, if you're in the NCAA tournament, you're going to need to know how to do that and experience is the best teacher for it so i would say you know just try to win one game at the a10 tournament just win one and if you can get to wednesday approach that like a clean slate it's all found money at this point you know no one wants to be playing on tuesday it's embarrassing certainly it's partly why they made a coaching change in the first place you know but certainly i i think you just look at it and you say you know let's just approach this fresh opportunity clean slate Try to win one game and just build one little step at a time. Now, 
obviously Gary and I are projecting that they're not going to make it very far into the A-10 tournament just like everybody else. That means that the offseason starts before Selection Sunday. If you're Archie Miller and staff, what do you think are the main targets for this offseason? Is it work with the roster you have? And I also believe, if I'm not mistaken, they probably have around three to four scholarships to fill for next year. You know, I, I, I'm sort of at the point where I don't really bother counting anymore because the transfer portal being what it is, you guys are going to be in and out. And, you know, there is a way to clear a roster spot if you want. You know, you simply go to a player and say, look, you know, we like you. We're happy to have you here, but we're going to recruit guys at your position. And there's no guarantee that you're going to play a lot next season. You know, if you'd like to find something different, I'll call another coach. I'll take calls for you on another coach. I'll give you a great recommendation. You know, but I don't know if necessarily you're going to get off the bench here next season. That's sort of the way the, these postseason one-on-one meetings go. Uh, if they want to move a player on, that, that's sort of what they do. You know, not saying that that's going to happen here or to how many guys, I don't know. But I, I wouldn't necessarily worry about number of scholarships. I, I'd worry about what they need. You need a point guard who can make some people better, I think, uh, and who can keep people honest with a little scoring. And obviously you need more help on the perimeter in terms of offense on the wing. You know, I know you've got two signees, Connor Dubsky, and Cam Estevez, but those guys are going to be freshmen coming in. And, you know, good teams don't necessarily play freshmen a, a ton. You know, so what do you hit in the portal? You try to get a point guard. You try to get someone who can score it a little bit. You know, maybe you get a front court guy who's a little bit dynamic. The, the one advantage they will have this offseason compared to last is the staff's going to have a little more time. You know, last year they were assembled in late March. By then the market's pretty well picked over in terms of – high school players and, and transfers, you know, so what you're hoping is that they have a little better defined list going into this off season. They've already noted some transfer targets or guys who aren't playing on other teams who they've previously recruited, who they'd like to reach back out to as a transfer target. If he goes in the portal and, and I think you'd be able to attack that a little more surgically than you were last off season when you just needed to get bodies in. Do we think that there's a chance for any of the current guys that are in the rotation to jump into the portal, or do we think is that too early to talk about? I mean, I, I just think in the modern era, guys, you, you never say never. I, I'm not surprised by by anyone coming or going at this point. You know, what you hope is that the staff looks at the group, they identify a core, you know, of six, seven, eight guys, whatever it may be, and they're able to retain that core. You, you really only get concerned – when you start losing guys who you planned on having for the long term, you, you go back to, you know, what really started to sink David Cox. And it was when he lost Tyrese Martin and Jacob Toppin, because those were two guys who could have carried them forward the next you know, two or three years. You cannot lose foundational pieces like that. And, and I think if you look up the road at Providence, who, who's very successful right now. They've lost ancillary pieces in the portal, guys off the bench, you know, guys who didn't have a major role like Greg Gant, Chris Monroe, uh, you know, Bryson Goodine. But they didn't lose Nate Watson or A.J. Reeves or, you know, someone who they were really depending upon. I think Rhode Island, it's, you know, in their best interest to identify two or three guys, you know, four or five guys who they really want to keep for next year and make sure that they keep them and then add to them. Now, I think the as we start getting ready to shift gears towards the women, but the, do you have the practice facility? If my math is correct, is supposed to be done in the coming months. How much do you think that'll help the program overall in recruiting? And do you think that'll help speed up the rebuild and maybe get us into the top half of the a 10 and within the next year or two? 
I mean, the most important part of the practice facility, guys, is, is it just puts you on par with everybody else. Uh, I mean, you cannot be in a position where other programs have more to sell than you and then try to recruit against them. It makes it very, very difficult. You know, so if that's practice facility, if it's charter flights, uh, you know, if it's a, a, the ability to get into certain MTEs, uh, you know, play in these big neutral court events, uh, you know, whether it's your television contract or, or your streaming contract, you don't want to have any disadvantage possible when it comes to recruiting. And and so you know, your eye has done a good job in recent years trying to close the gap. There's always still more work to do in any league, in any conference. You know, even a program like Kentucky is always trying to step forward. And, and they're, you know, at the top of the top in terms of facilities, budgets, whatever it may be. You know, serve you your eye, yes. Getting the practice facility done is a huge, huge deal from the standpoint that, you know, now VCU or St. Louis or somebody like that can't recruit the same guy you are and say, well, they don't have a facility. If you wanted to shoot free throws at 11 o'clock at night, you know, you can't do that at URI. You can do that here. You, know, you don't want any, even the slightest advantage for your rivals. You you need to be on the most level footing that you can get. And I think the practice facility, when they finish it and they open it, is going to help them take one step closer to being there. Awesome. Awesome. But now to the fun stuff. The URI women's basketball team, 2023 co-Atlantic 10 champions. What – as from your perspective, Bill, as somebody who seen been on the media aspect and women's basketball, we all know is not popular. But what does this mean not only to the university, but women's sports in general in New England? Well, I mean, I, I guess my main takeaway on Saturday was, you know, how is this even possible at URI? When, when you consider like who and what they were before Tammy got here, how is this even possible? That, that they're a winning program, a conference championship program at this point. Like you look at what they've done in terms of, you know, just how they've turned their fortunes. They're 25 and three at home the last two years. They had 29 wins total in the previous four. You know, they've played at or near the top of the league for three straight seasons now. Previously, you're, you're talking about just trying to approach 500, you know, just trying to be competitive in certain games. So I, I just think, what Tammy Reese has done there, changing the mindset, changing the culture, the roster, the talent there, the expectations there, it's it's fantastic. And you know, I don't think you can take it lightly just how difficult that is to do. And the fact that she's been able to do it is just so impressive. One big aspect that everybody's been talking about, obviously, after everything yesterday, is the attendance at these games, right? Getting fans in the building. Um, getting students there in minimal amounts, but still getting students in. But, you know, when you had 20 people in the Ryan Center for a women's basketball game or you'd get, you know, 100 students that wanted, you know, free food to now where yesterday you had a great amount of people to watch this team celebrate a co-championship win. Talk a little bit about how, you know, the mindset has changed and just the ability to bring in more and more fans, sell more season tickets and get more eyes on this program as in general. You know, certainly winning has a lot to do with that. Uh, certainly marketing has a lot to do with that. You know, when you're you're combining season tickets, you know, whether it's with the men's program or with football, uh, you know, you're you're being creative in that way with your initiatives. You know, you're you're sort of talking about, you know, how you'd like to go forward and, and grow that audience. Um, you know, I, I think it's been, you know, they've been really creative. They've done a, a great job selling the program, selling Tammy specifically, because 
you guys know, I mean, she's so magnetic in that way. She makes you believe that, that things are possible in that way. And, and so I, I think you get to the point where you just want to be around that. You know, you're attracted to it in, in a certain way. It's, it's uh, you know, it's it's fun. It's interesting. It's something new. You know, and I, I think they've done really well from that standpoint. It, you know, that being said, you look at the Ryan Center yesterday and, and the crowd is, you know, three times what it was a few years ago. But you're still well shy of, you know, sellout or power five attendance or, uh, you know, top of the Big East attendance. So how much more room is there still to grow here? You know, how much bigger could this get? How much more could they do here? I, I think that's really an intriguing unknown. To, to me, is sort of, you know, how much more can they offer? How much more can they do here? You know, can can this be more than what it is right now? Because we're, we're, we're sort of in uncharted territory in that way. Right. Now, yeah, I, I personally think there's always more room until, until they're winning a national championship. But now to get more into the X's and O's, Tammy brought it up that they were just how unprecedented this seems to be. They had... They lost 70% of their scoring and rebounding from last year's team. How did they do it? I know they went to the transfer portal, but can they just keep going back and forth their transfer portal? Or is it the coaching and the culture and all that stuff? Good combination of, of the portal and also player development. Uh, you know, if you look at players who they had in their program, whereas Maya Torre or Sophie Phillips or Emmy Renat, you know, none of those three were, were really factors last season in, in any meaningful way. You know, you 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 certainly recruited them and, and hoped that they could turn into something. And and at given times this year, Torre especially, they've been you know major drivers of this thing. Um, you know, certainly the ability to to identify experience in the portal ha- has helped them. Um, you know, they're not really getting anywhere without Lasseter and, and Haddox Covington in particular. You know, certainly Magasa is is giving them a boost here in the second half of the year and you know, obviously, you know, someone like Squires is, is just like veteran presence, you know, has been a starter all season. So that has helped. It's helped bridge the gap to what really would have been a young team uh, when you consider what they graduated last year. Um, you know, you're talking about losing hugely experienced players and, and bringing back a lot of question marks. So the, the portal helps them in that way. Uh, you know, but I, I think it's it's been a combination of both. I, I think it's been their own player development bringing in players from the outside, uh, and also changing their style over the course of time. This team has different personnel than last year's team, and, and I think they have adapted on the fly very well, and that's credit to, to Tammy and her staff. All right, so now let's let's talk about the tournament as we get ready to wrap up here with you, Bill. Outside of UMass, St. Joe's, and Fordham, which we'll talk briefly about, is there anybody in the A-10 that URI needs to worry about on Friday or Saturday? I mean, there are a couple teams. Obviously, they they got pushed in the road game with St. Louis, and and they're in URI's half of the bracket. You know, certainly St. Joe's, they got pushed twice. You know, and they're in URI's half of the bracket. You know, George Mason on the road wasn't really an easy game, and you know they're on the other side. I think if if memory serves, I think they're in the top half and UMass's half. Yeah, but those were the toughest games they played this season. Uh, you know, in terms of who they could play coming out, I, I mean, I don't necessarily know if. If, if URI plays well, I don't know how many teams can can really give them a hard time. 
They played like they did yesterday. I don't think anybody could beat them. I don't even think UConn could beat them. Yeah, well, let, let's <laughs> slow down a bit. But I, I, I love your enthusiasm. Uh, I mean, UConn's got a lot of injuries this year. <laughs> they, they do. It's true. You know, right now, if the seeds hold in the quarterfinals are playing George Washington, they, they kind of had an easy time with them. You know, when they played them, I, I don't necessarily think that, that they'd be overly concerned about them. You know, and then potentially in, in the semifinals, you could play St. Louis or St. Joe's, which you, you had tough games with them, three of them. <laughs> you know, so those those would be difficult. Uh, you know, the other thing, guys, I think is you got to think back to last year. They were two seed last year and lost the first game. You know, so there are some mental scars there that they're going to have to work through. You know, they're certainly going to have to take a different approach this time around. You, I would imagine that, you know, Tammy's just going to be open and say, look, we were in the same spot last year and we got clipped. Let's take this game on Friday with with the requisite amount of respect that it deserves. You know, and in that way, yeah. uh, I think if they start reasonably well in the first half, the rest will take care of itself because they are very talented and, and they've played very well throughout the whole season. So I don't see any reason why not they they can't get to the finals. And, you know, if it is UMass who's waiting there, I they've beaten them once. You know, they got blown out in the second game, but you just burn that film and say, all right, let's start fresh. We get 40 minutes to try to get to the NCAA tournament. Do you think it the A-10 wants, and do you think it's destined for UMass URI on Sunday round three? Like, the two heavyweights go at it? Interesting from the standpoint that I think before – URI lost to Fordham, and before UMass lost to St. Louis, it might have been a little more interesting from an at-large standpoint. If both of those teams make the A-10 final, could you have credibly complained for a first four bid for the loser on Sunday in Delaware? Maybe, um, you know, especially if it was UMass because they played a tougher schedule and, you know, they've had a little more success, uh, a little more exposure in Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2, according to the net. You know, so maybe you could have tried to argue for a two-bid league. I don't necessarily know if you can do that now based on the results down the stretch. I think you or I losing Fordham and, and UMass losing to St. Louis probably scraps that um, because it was a, a, a tight margin for error this year in the league. You know, it wasn't necessarily a league that performed that well in the non-conference or, or is viewed very favorably by the metrics. So I think the league would be more focused on what happens over the weekend, you know, whether or not you can get you know, some of the top-seeded teams in. I don't know. You guys were at the tournament last year. Which fan bases do they like? Which ones travel? Uh, we traveled. <laughs> you are right, I mean, actually, to be honest. But UMass you know, had a crap ton of fans there, too. Well, so in, in that case, you know, if you have a fan base who travels, the league will want that as well. You know, I know, like, going to the men's tournament, when you're at Barclays, like, Dayton travels really well. VCU travels really well. St. Bonaventure always travels really well. If Fordham's playing in a championship game on Sunday, even if it's in New York, no one's going to be there. <laughs> so I, I think the league would have a better idea and, and be better informed on that and, and would probably default to the schools that tend to show up the right. most. And now uh, as we as we finish up here, Bill, the, the final question we have for you, where does this uh, URI women's team make it? in the tournament. What are your predictions? I think they're going to the finals this time. I, I think last year's, uh, I think I picked them to win the tournament last year. Good job, Bill. Wait, <laughs> you know, I put it right on them. I really, I mean, just put the hex right on them. You know, but no, I, I think, I think they'll make the finals this year. I think, you know, Tammy spoke a little bit in the post game on Saturday about, you know, needing to have a, a setback or two and learning from it and growing from it. You know, before you have real success and, and growth. And, 
you know, I think this team has been hurt in a certain way to the point where they've felt that and they've responded to it and grown from it. And and I think sometimes you need that, you know, and I think they've been through stuff like that. So I, I feel like they can make it to the finals. I feel like if they get another shot at UMass, the, the last game they played against them was so bitter. They got dominated, you know, so badly over 40 minutes that I think great athletes respond to something like that. And, and, and I think the third game, if you got those two teams again, would be the best of the three. I, I think they'd bring the best out of each other uh, with an NCAA tournament bid on the line. You know, UMass is is an older team. You'd have to make them the favorites in that game, but it's certainly not a game that that's unwinnable in in any way for you or I. You you would certainly give them a good chance to go back to the NCAA tournament for just a second time. Awesome. Well, I we thank you again, Bill, for coming out. Will we be seeing you in Delaware? If they make it to the finals, I will be there. Earlier in the week, not certain. Uh, have some other commitments. But if they make it to the finals on that Sunday, I think an early morning drive from Rhode Island to Delaware will be in the car. I like this. Awesome. I like this. All right, Bill. All right, thank you so 10 much. O'clock or 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock uh, after URI Davidson drive. <laughs> uh, I mean, going to be a little rough, but, uh, you know, these are the sacrifices we make in March, gentlemen. That's All right. true. Well, thank you very Thanks, much, Bill, for joining us. All right. We want to thank Bill for joining us on the podcast. Now, with tournament season coming up, we have a couple of games to talk about. So, the URI women's team, as of this recording, is the number two seed. They will be playing either Duquesne or or George Washington, that game happening tomorrow at 5 p.m. That game can be found on ESPN Plus, or if you want to head to Delaware to the Chase Fieldhouse, tickets are available online now. And the Rhodey men's team has their senior night happening on Saturday against Davidson, that game at 8 p.m. at the Ryan Center. If you're you know in the area, make sure to head out to support our seniors. There also is a Buy one, get one free offer that was emailed to all season ticket holders. But with that, we would like to thank Bill and Stone for joining us on the podcast. And as always, make sure to follow us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rody Baseline. And since I have to do this for Andrew, go Rody. Go Rody.